The scripture reading this morning is Matthew 9, verse 9 through 13. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax collection station. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and he followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with taxpayers and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, those who are well have, not, have no need for a physician, but those who are sick go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice but I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This week I had a, uh, a, physical, a physical appointment, and all I heard was, well, you're at the age now where, you know, and dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and boy, you don't want to hear that, you know. I remember, you know, you keep thinking back of where time has gone. I, I remember this guy right here. <laughs> yeah, that was me. Yeah, yeah, whoa, Wilson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you haven't, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that's, a, that's a nice shirt, too. I really like all of this. This, is, this was my junior year in high school. Yeah, and then I, then I got more cocky, and I went to that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really something, doesn't it? You want, you want to see my senior picture? This is what hangs at Waverly High School among the senior pictures. Right there. <laughs> That's me. That's your pastor right there. That is this guy right here. I, I think about where time is, where I am now, and all of the things that I, I was. And I think about the things that I have uh, discarded along the way and things that I have taken with me along the way. I think it's fair to say that no matter how old we get, in our hearts, we're still kind of that, that, that young child-like. We're still absorbing things. We're still learning. We're still taking things in. And we're still grabbing pieces of ourselves and taking that along with the ride. You know, there are pers personality traits that I had even back, back then uh, that are still with me today. Uh, the hair is gone. There's no, I'm told there's no chance of that coming back. But uh, there are pieces of me that I am still the same person that I was back then. And I'm glad of that. So when I hear things like when I'm at a physical appointment, they say you're at the age now, I know that, that what that really means is that I've accumulated a lot of experience. I've accumulated a lot of uh, joys, a lot of blessings. So I've learned from some things, but I've also taken a, a bunch of that stuff along with me on the ride. I think so much of our life is like that of the, uh, almost like the Wizard of Oz. We are just walking down that, that yellow brick road and we gather things. The scarecrow, we gather, you know, th uh, the knowledge. We gather things that we think about. We gather uh, the, the tin man, hearts. We, we gain uh, courage from the cowardly lion, but we gather all of those things about our personality and we take those along with us. And that's who's made how we are today. 
And it's very important that we remember that who you are today, that your path is different than my path, and your path is different than my path, and each and every one of us has brought together something of our own path that has brought us here to where we are today. And don't you think that that's wonderful? Isn't that wonderful that, that, that in this room right now, we have uniqueness, we have individuality, but somehow that brought together brings a, just an amazing ingredients for community. And if we ever lose that individuality in ourselves, we lose something in that community. It's like leaving out a very important ingredient in, a, in, a, in something that you're, you're, you're baking. You know, baking, you don't just add the same thing of everything. You add different things. And they come together and they make something beautiful. And, and that's what we are. Most of you are beautiful. Um, we have... <laughs> hey, I just showed the pictures, so I, I think we know who's... Jesus is walking along. And he sees... Matthew sitting there. Matthew, also known as Levi, a tax collector. In uh, the place that they were at, it's believed that he was probably a person that was pretty close to the shore that when people would come in and uh, celebrate the fact that they sold fish and all this kind of stuff, he would be there to take. Uh, tax collectors at that time were not honest people. I know it's hard to believe a taxpayer not being an honest person. But uh, yeah, I'm going to get audited now. But it's, um, they were people that were of uh, Jewish tradition, Jewish lineage, working for the occupation. Uh, they, were, they were traitors. They were considered uh, people that have turned against everybody else. Not only were they like that, well, not only did they just, uh, were they, uh, you know, turncoats or whatever you want to say, uh, they were people that would actually, you, you would collect the tax from somebody, say that uh, 5%, I get 5% of you, you just had a, a wonderful fishing outing, you've, you've, you've profited, I'm going to take 5% of that. Uh, but that 5% is going to go to, to Rome. But, uh, see, I'm, I'm actually going to charge you 8% because I'm going to keep 3% just for myself. So not only were these tax collectors um, crooked and turncoats, but they were profiting off of people. They were actually, uh, in, in Romans' eyes, legally robbing their fellow people. And so they did not look very good to other people. They were the, not only they weren't just the enemy. It was easy just to hate the Romans because the Romans had uh, they were you know the outsider. They were the pre people that came in, and sometimes it's so much easier to hate the outsider, isn't it? It's so much easier to hate that person that's over there. But the tax collector was part of you. It was who you were. It was someone from your own village that came and turned against you, and now was robbing from you. Some people believe that, that uh, the tax collectors, the, the position that Matthew had, even had uh, he even had the ability, if he wanted to, to be able to seize property if he needed to. So he was really, truly robbing people. And this is the guy that's sitting over here at this tax booth. It was, a, it was like this, uh, this uh, uh, just a station, and for protection, oftentimes he would be there collecting all this stuff, and he would have a centurion, a Roman soldier, right next to him. So nobody could even touch him. He was, you know, untouchable. Um, and Jesus is walking along with his disciples, who, 
uh, many of them are fishermen. They are people that have been ripped off by this guy. They're in a neighborhood now where people kind of know each other. So it's a very good uh, guess that the people that uh, were the, with Jesus at the time knew who this guy was. Not somebody that probably got invited to a lot of parties. Uh, many times the, the tax collectors, you know, were just the most hated people, hated more than even the Romans. And Jesus is walking along with his people that are really willing to follow him because he's the guy that's making a change. He is the guy that is uh, promoting this love. He's the guy that's promoting these, this, these, doing these miracles of an invitation and welcoming and all of this kind of stuff. And they are walking with him and they're proud of it. And suddenly he turns and he says, Matthew. And I'll bet the disciples at that point are hoping that he's going to say, you're a loser. You'll never be part of us. But instead he says, come and join us. Can you imagine what the disciples are feeling at this time? Can you imagine what the disciples are feeling? The person that has ripped them off. Let's take Peter, for example. Peter was a, a, a person that made his living off of fishing. So he was very familiar with being taxed and being uh, robbed daily for his uh, hard work and everything. And now he sees the leader say, hey, come with me. And then the, the Bible jumps where it says Matthew came with him. And sometimes we see this as the, Matthew had no idea who this Jesus person was, and Jesus was able just to wave this magic finger and just go, hey, and then, you know, Matthew's like, boing, and then he comes and goes with him, you know. Boing is the Greek translation. Um, the King James version is boinks. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's edit that one out. Um, let's... The, um, the town that they're in, again, people knew each other. And so, personally, I kind of guess that Matthew was aware of Jesus. That Matthew kind of knew a little bit about what Jesus was about. And when Jesus said, come and follow me, uh, Matthew kind of knew what that meant and what he was doing. So you can imagine that Matthew wanted some kind of a change. Because if you make that decision, if you make that decision where you are in your st st stability and you take that and you leave that, you are making a choice to make a change in your life. But from the outside view, this didn't look like much of a change. Because the Bible jumps to the next scene, and the next scene is a bunch of religious leaders seeing Jesus partying it up with Matthew and tax collectors and sinners. I love how they just put sinners, you know, as if it's them versus us, you know. But Jesus is having a great time. At, now, this, this again, when you share a meal with somebody... Uh, it's almost like it was, uh, it is today. It's, it's, it's a kind of an intimate thing. You know, you, you share a meal with people that you, when you invite people over to your house for dinner or something like that, it's because you care about them or you want to get to know them or whatever, but it's, it's a personal thing. And the, Jesus sitting at the table with these folks 
it really bugged a lot of these religious leaders. It really upset them quite a bit. These religious leaders, and I'm going to say that, you know, the Bible says that Jesus and his disciples, but remember, disciples are anybody that follows Jesus. So I'm going to say that they were religious leaders, but there were other people that were outside of this house because some of them would not even like to step foot into a sinner's home, a person's home. And not just because they were sinners, it was because they were tax collectors. They were the ugly people. They were the, the rotten stealers. If you were on this side of the political spectrum, they were way over on that side, and you didn't want to be seen over on that side. And so they asked some of the other people, the other disciples, what's he doing? You know, at this at this moment, they are seeing that what possibly, you know, we always look at the religious leaders as constantly trying to trip Jesus up and constantly against them. There could have been people that were really for this Jesus moment that were legitimately asking, how is he doing this? He's going to screw up everything. People are going to stop following him because he's in there partying with a bunch of criminals. And the disciples, you know, Jesus hears this and, and you know, he's sitting there. He's having a Coke and uh, enjoying his, himself, you know. And he looks over and he sees, you know, the, the, the religious leaders over there. And I, maybe it's me, maybe it's uh, the, 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 the sarcastic side of me, but I see Jesus smirking a lot in the Bible. When he was called upon and questioned and stuff, I see him as a religious smirker. And he, I could just see him sitting there smirking and saying, remember these words, mercy, not sacrifice. You know, we, 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 we skip past that pretty quickly, but mercy, not sacrifice. That's a powerful statement. That means that um, when you are going to accept somebody uh, because of what they sacrifice, um, that means you have to change before you can get in. When you approach somebody with mercy, that means I sit at the table where you are, as you are, and I welcome your heart. That's what that means. One of the most powerful things that Jesus is saying at this time is the description of not only why he's here, how he's here, but also a message as to how we are here and why we are here. It's not conditional. It's not something where I have to say, you have to change in order for me to have dinner with you. It's me saying, I have mercy. I have grace. I have love. I have kindness. That means we share. We get to know each other. And that's what Jesus is doing with all of these people. He's not there to um, uh, condone or lecture or yell. He's there to have a sandwich, a Jesus sandwich, holy hoagie. He's there to enjoy, and the, by his presence being there, the people that are around him that never knew that opportunity was for them in their life felt welcomed, felt comforted, and they started to feel healed. You know, Jesus says that it's, uh, as a physician, you don't come in uh, there for the, uh, the healthy, you come for the sick, Right? Uh, we like to use that as a, you see, that's why, you, you know, you go there, but you change them. You change everything about them. You change all of this, and they become this clone, this Christian clone, and that's how they get into the, the church. 
You know, they, they stop with, you know, Matthew was a, a sinner and a person, and then so Jesus sits and has a sandwich with him. Suddenly, Matthew leaves a completely different person. And in some cases, I'm going to say that he probably did. But let's look at why Jesus called Matthew. You see, Jesus wasn't walking down the street and just saying, uh, you can just follow me. You know, for his inner circle of disciples, this is the inner circle, the, the 12. These are the people that, that, uh, that knew uh, him more than anybody else. Those were the ones that he had his disciples, but he had his inner circle. This was the important people that were going to be responsible for carrying that message forward. And Jesus specifically didn't say, you he said, Matthew, come and follow me. What made Matthew different from anybody else? Matthew was unique, just as every one of us are unique. Matthew was unique. Jesus didn't call Matthew to come and be a clone. The 12 disciples were not people that just suddenly became soldiers that looked alike, sounded alike, behaved alike, and were just changed completely as to who they were. Jesus called people that he knew what their high school pictures looked like. He knew what they were like growing up. He knew the layers of every person, and he said, that person is who I want. When you go to the doctor, when you go to the hospital, and they heal something that's wrong with you? Do you walk out a completely different person? Do you change who you are? Or do you just, does the physician just fix the things that are unhealthy in you? That's what Jesus was doing that day. When he said that I'm a physician, he wasn't there to change. We, we always think that that's a, a thing where we just change. We just, we don't become who we are. Jesus was calling somebody because of who they were, and the thing that he was healing was the thing that was plaguing them. He wasn't out to strip them of their identity. He was out to heal them of the thing that was harming them. And most of the th time, the things that uh, are hurting us are things that are also hurting other people. And so maybe the one thing that Jesus took from Matthew was his desire to hurt other people, to steal from other people, to rob other people. And in that time, he was able to heal him of that and change his heart in that. But Matthew still stayed who he was. The years that Matthew was from born to the time that Jesus said, hey, follow me, there were personality traits that Jesus knew that he could use. Maybe Matthew was a smart aleck. Maybe Matthew was, uh, was street-wise, not street, dirt-wise, sand-wise, rock-wise. Maybe he had traits in his personality of his upbringing and all that stuff that Jesus said, I like those things about your personality. I like who you are. All we need to do is take care of this thing that is harming other people and harming you. This, this, this way that you're ripping people off, there's an emptiness inside there that's causing you to take this position. I want to replace that. I want to heal you of that. But I don't want to change 
everything about you because who you are is also who God created. You know, I, I like some of the things that are about me. When I was in high school, I was, you know, the class clown. Uh, I wear that as a badge of honor. I got in trouble a lot, but I was really, you know, I still look at that as, you know, all right, yay, you know. I am proud of some of those things, and I like to take some of those things with me. Now, there was a part in my life where I took a turn and started to do a lot of stuff that I was no longer proud of. There were a lot of things that I did in my life that I'm not really happy with and didn't make me happy and took me further away from any kind of loving relationship with God or anybody else. And by the time that I had this uh, kind of awakening, I really hated myself. And so when, when I felt like I had this kind of calling from, from God, I don't know what, what people's spiritual journey is like, but for me, it was, uh, there was a time when I felt like God was saying, follow me. And at first, I remember thinking that church people were this type of person. And so to follow Jesus, I had to become this type of person, you know? I started uh, thinking that I, I had to lose who I was. I had to lose my identity. I had to lose my personality. I could no longer be, you know, uh, sarcastic. I could no longer be, you know, silly or funny or, or anything like that. I couldn't like some of the things that I like. I had to give up everything, and I had to become this clone of what I envisioned a Christian to be. And you know what happened is that the more that I tried that, the more that I felt like a failure because the more I wasn't being who I was and the more I couldn't retain it because it's not who I was. Every time I would slip up and say something sarcastic or anything like that, I would think, oh, I'm not being Christian. Jesus hates me. Jesus hates me. It took me a while before I realized that Jesus was saying, no, I called you because of who you are. We're going to heal those things that have been harming others and harming you. But I, I love you. And once that happened, it was like a revelation. It was like, Jesus accepts me. And I started to hear that message clearly through the voice of, of actually like Mr. Rogers. That I like you just the way you are. That's what a physician is there for. That's what a physician comes for. A physician says, what is hurting you? Let me fix it. But it doesn't mean changing everything about you. There's some things that, that we have to change and alter and work on and give up. My last physical appointment, there's a whole list of things I can no longer eat. Tear. But it doesn't change who I am. And none of us are supposed to continue to, to change who we are inside because who we are inside is a gift. The same person that Matthew was called by uh, Matthew also called Peter, also called Andrew, also called all of these people uniquely where they were in their life to come and be part of his inner circle. And yes, he also called women. He also called Mary. He also called the people that were uh, who they were. I pray that the one thing that we walk out of here 
is knowing that there are things in our life, just like Matthew, that we need to change about ourselves, that we need to give up, stop doing, stop hurting ourselves in these certain ways, but do not give up who God created us to be. Because your identity is something that God celebrates. And so when we give up our identity, we're giving up God. Hang on to who you are. Look at who you were, what you've carried forward in your journey, and embrace it, and love it, and share it. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we come to you as we are. Help us to define that. Help us to rid the things that we are not. Help us to rid ourselves of the things that prevent us from being who we are. Help us to rid ourselves from the, the sin that keeps us from understanding a clear vision of who you are and who we are. And help us to celebrate the blessings that we have and the love that you have for us. Help us know that whoever we are, that you are willing to sit with us, to dine with us, to welcome us, to live with us. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Sin is, in my limited, simplified definition, sin are the things in our lives that keep us from truly seeing Christ. It's also the things that keep us from seeing our honest self. If you want a, a, a simple remedy, a simple uh, direction this, this, uh, this week as we try to avoid sin in our life and, and strengthen that relationship with God in our life, here's three, three simple steps. Love God. Love yourself. You knew this was coming. Love your neighbor. Amen.